I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. Hi, I'm here with the composer, Paul Jernberg. Um, nice to see you again, Paul. Good to see you, David. Uh, always a pleasure to, to have these conversations with you. Um, just before we move forward, uh, just a reminder, you can um, read about Paul and about his music at uh, pauljernberg.com. Jernberg is J-E-R-N-B-E-R-G. <laughs> Jernberg.com. And magnificatinstitute.org. That's Paul's organization, the Magnificat Institute. Magnificatinstitute.org. Okay, so uh, this really is a continuation of our last discussion, um, and we were looking at the, uh, the, the statements of the church on sacred music, particularly after the council, um, and uh, perhaps if you could just summarize where we were, if I remember, we left off um, discussing how we were about to discuss how musicians might actually put into practice, and composers especially, put into practice what, what the church is asking for. Um, but first of all, let's just summarise what we think the church is looking for. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. the, the, the basic template for the, for the composer and our, our discussion. Right. And we, we talked a little bit about the definition. Oh, excuse me. Uh, we talked about the definition of sacred music as it was prior to 1958 and then in a document in 1958 and how that affected musicum sacram. And that there were, we, we looked at how there's some ambiguities there yeah. and how those ambiguities uh, were used, you might say, to promote a certain agenda. At the same time, if we look at these documents from the uh, perspective of continuity with tradition, most of our problems be are resolved. And uh, we see there's some problems also with the translation from Latin to English that also clarify these things. We talked about how sacred music is essentially music that's been cons consecrated for the liturgy, at least in terms of the, the traditional uh, approach to uh, sacred music in the Catholic Church, it's music that's that's created and consecrated for the liturgy, and which, as such, has certain uh, qualities to it. And Pope Pius X has talked about a lot about this. Uh, so, and those those qualities are just as uh, important today as they've ever been. We went from there to talking a little bit about the process of composition. How, okay, now the, the uh, document Usigam Sacram is actually quite clear in this for anyone who has ears to hear. They talk about new forms that are an organic development of the great tradition so that composers uh, can compose music that is really worthy of the tradition. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at today, I think, is trying to say, well, how does that happen? We might say, first of all, has it happened? You know, as we look back at the last 55 or so years since the council, has this vision of the, that was expressed in Musicum Sacrum, has this vision of continuity been fulfilled or not? And if, if not, uh, what, what, what does it take? 
to do that? What do, what do we need to, what do composers need to do? And uh, I'm certainly not questioning the goodwill of any composer. And I know that many have worked hard, at, uh, devoted their lives to this, uh, or devoted their, their life's work, I should say. But um, that's what I think it would be very interesting to look at today is a little bit what, in, in order to fulfill what the church has asked us to do, how do composers do that? Yeah, so there's two aspects to that. Uh, one is, um, we, we, I'm hoping we can do this in terms that non-composers yes. like me can understand, but the, the technical aspect, how you approach this as a composer, what, what do you, you know, yeah. you're there in front of a blank space, how, sure. what, what are you doing? I, I'm always curious as to how that process works and what you have in mind. And then the other one is the more general one, which I think we'll come to after that. I'm hoping we will. And if not, it'll be a, another podcast. <laughs> and that is the nature of inspiration itself. I, I'm just curious as to what you feel about it as someone who creates oh, yeah. and composes music all the time. And you were just telling me earlier on, you've got a lot of new music, which you're recording um, at the moment. And we, I'd like to ref make sure we refer to that before we go. Very exciting yeah. Project yeah. involved in. Okay, so back to the composer. You've got pen in hand or whatever it is, computer on lap, I, I don't know, right. and, and you've got these sounds in your head. I, how does it work? Tell, tell us well, about it. Okay, I, I have to take one step back first. Okay, because sure. The thing is, I mean, I can I could jump into that to answer your question immediately. Yeah, yeah. But so, no, that's you fine. have to say that there has to be a foundation first. Right? Yeah. And that foundation needs to include various things. It does, it does, it must include a certain immersion in the great music of our traditions. And, yeah. and a, so a thorough knowledge of that. Uh, and I would say not only, certainly our Western traditions of chant and polyphony, that's an absolute necessity. Um, I think that, much of what has been done in the Eastern Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches is also of great value in that regard. Um, we also need a real strong, we need a strong musical formation. And, and that includes uh, not only generally a general music formation, but also in th music theory and composition, because there's certain technical aspects of composing that really are important. And if, if one misses that, it you'll, You'll, have, you'll be struggling because there really is a, a technical aspect that needs to be addressed. And the third thing that I would say is that part of the foundation is uh, a certain culture of prayer. And I think uh, you've, you've inspired me with this, David, as far as your emphasis on the liturgy of the hours oh. and seeing, and it really, and then my own experience in Sweden, when I lived in Sweden, yeah. was participating in the life of a community that was praying all the liturgy of the hours as well. And I, and I see that as being really um, foundational to everything because uh, the, if our music is not steeped in that kind of prayer, I would say, and some people may not be able to sing the liturgy of the hours or say the liturgy of the hours, but still there needs to be a certain structure, a certain culture there of prayer in order for this music to to be authentically sacred yeah i'm just going to come in there and this is probably an analogy <laughs> rather than a direct reference but that if something is to be beautiful 
whether it's a piece of music or a work of art, the parts need to be uh, relate to each other in a way that um, it seems properly ordered to what it is, so that then the whole is ordered to the to the end that it is. And uh, the more we understand how the parts of the liturgy relate to the whole, yes. um, there is a, I always assume, I, I can't tell you mathematically what this is or quantify it, but I always feel that at an intuitive level, that if you're experiencing those parts of the liturgy and how they relate to each other, it, the, the, there'll be some sort of common principle there which is impressing itself upon our hearts. Um, right. Quite aside from all the um, what we're um, learning intellectually or spiritually, that the, all there's so many aspects of the right. person is engaged in prayer of that type. Yes. But I think seeing this as a whole and how the liturgy is dispersed across the days and the hours and and culminates in that Sunday um, really helps. I, I think I just have this feeling that, that if you want to be creative and contribute to a Christian right. culture, you're really giving yourself a disadvantage if you're not participating that in, in that in some way. So. Right. That's right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, and those all those things are not quick fixes, right? They're all yeah. long-term commitments. And um, just like getting the soil ready, you might say, for, for crops or whatever, mm. it needs to be fertilized, it needs to be... Uh, dug up, et cetera. These things, and, but this takes obviously, this is a, a long term uh, preparation that's needed. That doesn't mean somebody shouldn't start composing, you know, until they've done X number of years of all these things, but ultimately you need to have this foundation. Now, are you ready for me to jump into the actual? <laughs> yeah, uh, go ahead. A little bit. So, so okay, so let's assume that that we've done those that we we have uh, been immersed in those three different dimensions then so now uh, someone would like to compose or they see the need to compose that and and really that's it for me that that's you know there's got to be a motivation of some kind and I think that um, for myself that motivation is really seeing a great need that needs to be made it's not so much I mean it's, it's not so much that I desire to be creative to express myself, although that's, you know, I do enjoy expressing myself. I've done it in other uh, contexts as well. I've composed for other things. But for the liturgy, it's got to be a sense that there's something to be communicated to these people who are here or who are the people who are attending the liturgy and to communicate that well. Now, sitting down to compose, uh, the the first thing that I'm going to say might seem to be a little uh, surprising, but what, the word play is extremely important. And I mean by play, I don't mean like playing the piano, I mean like childlike play. And what I mean there is that um, someone who's composing, there needs to be a certain freedom to try things. And to, you might say, to make mistakes. You have, 
for me, uh, that play is most often happening as far as singing. So obviously we need to, there there are texts that need to be, uh, need settings, right? So let's say we take the Kyrie, for example. And of course, this presume I'm asking the Holy Spirit for inspiration, and I'm and I'm steeped in that, and I'm. But then I take the Kyrie, and I and I'm and I'll start singing, a Kyrie. I'll start playing with it, basically. So now this doesn't mean like I'm taking it uh, in a superficial or flippant way, but it, what it means is that I'm I'm. I'm trying things and I'm, and I'm not worrying too much about it being just right to start out with. And I can't emphasize enough how important this stage is because without this sense of play, you might say even playfulness to a certain extent, we, there will be a certain rigidity to, or at least for me at least, and I think for, for many others, this is one of the main thresholds that needs to be, um, to be crossed. And it doesn't mean that I just accept immediately what I come up with at all, because that playfulness needs to be combined with a certain discernment, right? Yeah, I was going to say, how do you step back from that and (laughs) and take a fresh view, you know, an objective view, having created? Yeah, this this is the thing that's so fascinating to me, because, okay, so I know that when I start out, you know, my my ultimate goal here is to do something that's worthy of the tradition, that's harmonious with our great traditions of chant and polyphony. That's not not easy. Um, But somewhere in my mind, I I realized this. And that, uh, so there's got to, for me at least, there's got to be this initial stage of just trying things. And I sing, I just, I sing, like, remember doing St. Michael the Archangel, actually the first version before we did our uh, setting together. <laughs> and uh, it, you might say it fell in my lap, but it, it wouldn't have fallen in my lap if I hadn't just dared to, to try something. Yeah. You know, let's, let's try this. And I start singing, and then maybe I'll sit down at the piano. I'll try that. And, and then um, in, in a case like that, we, uh, the song's there within uh, maybe an hour. The whole, not the song, but the whole, the whole, uh, setting is there within maybe an hour, at least in its uh, its basic structure and melody and harmonies. Now, but sometimes, but that doesn't always happen, of course. And sometimes I'll be, uh, I'll find myself going places that I shouldn't go. <laughs> and I, and I, um, as far as I might find that after I've come up with the melody, I listen to it again. I said, no, I don't think that's particularly good, or I don't think it's particularly appropriate. Or maybe I'm I'm subtly being drawn into a completely different style because I, as a musician, I've played you know lots of different sort of the whole gamut of different styles. So I have that inside me. Um, I've done jazz, I've done gospel, I've done you know all these things in the past. And, um, so every once in a while, these sort of surface as I as I'm um, as I'm composing for the liturgy. But then, but the fact is that. I've got my antenna up and I'm not going to, if I sense that it's not working, I'll throw it out or I'll, I'll put it aside and maybe come back and look at it later if I'm not quite sure. But um, now this, so, so in, 
my understanding is that this kind of play, playfulness, you might say, is important. And, and I'd like to give one other example. For me, what was really uh, a great learning experience in this regard is uh, was accompanying dance classes, and I, which I did in way back when in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and then also in, in when I lived in Sweden. And uh, interestingly, playing for uh, modern dance, which a lot of which is uh, the instructor will give a set of movements to the to the dancers, and then I, as a as an accompanist, had to come up with something that would fit those movements, right? Wow! Which uh, <laughs> at first is like, well, I thought it was exactly the other way around. The, yeah, the music and the, you know, right. Doing. And so, like, what in the world? I mean, this like, there's a there's a million possibilities, but so it forced you. You sort of have to just play. And, and do something and keep the rhythm and keep, you know, and, and, and try to correspond to the movements. And, you know, it was an amazing thing because I realized that, that it's sort of like getting the, uh, the what, getting the water going through the hose or whatever. You start discovering that you have all this capacity to create things, which I, if I just sit down in front of the piano and say, okay, I've got a composer or something for this modern dance class, I probably never would have. Yeah. Now, that, just to answer an uh, understandable uh, concern there, again, I'm not advocating that we just do any kind of stuff, you know, just, just be completely spontaneous and whatever comes out must be good. Not at all. It's rather that it's like freeing up the, those uh, uh, creative capacities within us to, to do this well. Uh, and it's got it's got to have this aspect of discernment that goes along with it. So th that's the beginning, David. That's what that's what it is. Okay. And, and that, that's just the beginning, though. So All right. Should I go ahead? Uh, no, I, I mean the phrase that comes to mind is easier to chip than build. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. um, very often, I'm just thinking of the artistic process. So. Um, if you were painting in oils, you can just sort of put broad shapes on there and then you yeah. constantly modify on the canvas. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you're doing um, an, an icon or, or something based in the iconographic style, um, you always have a prepared drawing and that, that becomes the template. And mm. uh, so you don't mess with that. But the stage at which you do what you're describing is the preparation of the drawing. So you do a line drawing. So even if you had a large example. So I did, for example, um, St. Michael the Archangel, which is, I think, six feet by three feet. In, right. uh, and uh, so what I did was I started doing something this size, and that's a lot of maneuvering. So, yeah. uh, by the way, those who are listening... And, um, so something that would be a length six feet in the final form, my first drawing is a foot and a half, something mm -hmm. like that. And then that allows me then to prepare the composition. I'm doing an enormous amount of manipulation and change at that mm -hmm. and And it's just as you say, you've got to get something down and then move it. And you can't tell what things are like until you see them in relation to what else is there. Yeah. It's not just, you can't just compile a load of 
um, pixelated images, if you like, and then put them mm-hmm. together. Because when they're in relation to everything else, your perception of the thing itself changes from how you perceive it in isolation. Right. So you have to always have this view of the whole. So in art, what I would do is you start off on that size, and then I do it, enlarge it in a grid, if I'm doing a line drawing, to full size. Then you put the, uh, you transfer the drawing to the panel. Um, so that's, uh, you know, you're actually using a, something like carbon paper. It's not actually that, something like that. Um, and then when it comes to the painting, um, it's pretty formulaic, but again, there are there are points at which you know you can modify and change things. But uh, it's the, the paint is a little, especially um, egg tempera. You can't um, overpaint in the way that you can with oil. Um, so you have to be you have to have a good sense of what needs to go on. But at the same time. You, you also understand with experience what room for manoeuvre there is after the fact. And you can't produce something unless you can control that. You have to be able to look back and say, that green is awful, I need a wash of yellow, or yes. something like that. Right. Now, there's another thing here too, which maybe I should have said earlier, and that is that you, know, you mentioned that you have the, 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 you know the figure you're drawing, or the, who the saint is, or whatever, yeah, or angel. If for a musician, for a composer, also we have we do have some maybe similar things because, of course, we have the text, mm-hmm. and the text. We it's absolutely essential that the rhythm of the text is respected. Yeah, now you you can do things with that rhythm, but but you you can't. It it needs to f- have a natural flow to it. Okay, and that that's actually pretty demanding in itself. Um, there's a whole art to that too. So that is definitely one of the parameters that I, I'm going to deal with. And another thing is too, that you're dealing, uh, I write generally according to the different modes. And there, that's another parameter in which I'm working. So I'm, and, and I know that generally for sacred music, there's got to be, there, there, there can't be too much hopping. It's got to, there has to be sort of intuitive quality to it that that when people hear it or when when the congregation sings it that that it's it's not going to be uh, strange and awkward and so there's got to be a certain uh, flow and gracefulness and simplicity to it so all those things go into you know that those are all being uh, those are part of the process in which I'm playing, so to speak. Right. Okay. So, uh, what comes after that? Okay. Because I know you've okay. got a string of yeah. bullet so points as we go on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that implies, though, that there's a process of uh, perseverance in this, because, yeah. uh, in other words, I'm I'm my worst critic in the sense, like I, I'm not going I'm not going to be happy with something. It, if it doesn't have a sense of inspiration, a sense of resonating both in myself and with the people that I know I will be singing it with. And I, I'd say that resonance is, is really important as a very, very important principle. But so I have this sense of what it needs to be. And, and in order to get there, 
with this playing and this discerning, it really ta it takes perseverance. Sometimes, as I said, it might might go very quickly. I might get a, a, a setting of a simple prayer like St. Michael prayer, maybe finish that in an hour. Other pieces I've worked on for months, sometimes even years, and because I'm not satisfied. And I, and I, if, unless I have that sense of, of a certain satisfaction that this is going, this is truly beautiful, that it is, uh, that it's worthy of the tradition and that it's going to resonate with people, then I, I'd rather not present it to others. And that's, that is very, very demanding, but, um, and not to say that everything that I do publish is, you know, is the is uh, the example, but I need to have that confidence, and so that that implies perseverance. It, in persevering, I would say I come to a point uh, again with when when I do sense that everything's come together. You might say there's a moment of delight. So I'm I've gone through this whole short or long process, um, and I and I finally arrive at something. And I said, this is, and I, and I have a sense of having received a gift. And I have a sense that there, there's a sense of inspiration, you might say, uh, that, that, that comes out in the, in, in the end here. Uh, well, we're not quite at the end yet. But um, the, the, strangely, because you know, we start out, well, we have to do something as we're playing, trying this, trying this. But in the end, it's a sense of gratitude for having received a gift. Um, after, now, even though, even though I've gotten to that, now that's usually I'm starting out with a melody and I have understand, a certain sense of, of the harmonies I'm using as well. But after I have that basic structure of melody and harmonies and I found that sense of delight, then I'm also, there's also quite a lot of work that needs to be put into fine tuning you know, getting all the harmonies, whether I'm doing it for SATB, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, or whether I'm doing it for a men's choir, there, there's there's generally a good deal of work that just needs that's technically oriented to make sure that all the harmonies are there and that I'm um, that everything is flowing well together, and and so that that's that's basically it. <laughs> okay, um, I want to was. The, I wanted to build on this idea of gratitude, actually. Something occurred to me as you were speaking. Um, how, how, is, is that basically the structure? There was, I, I see That's another. right. There's eight points. Yeah. You know? So it says polishing, filling out, fine-tuning. Right. That, right. That's the, that's the final one. Because yeah. that, and that is, you know, that's now that I have the melody and the basic harmonic structure, um, I need to, there's, there's just all sorts of uh, polishing to do. Yeah. Um, now, I know from the artistic point of view, um, I, I can, I resonate with what you're saying. Um, first of all, um, when I um, have completed the picture, uh, I hear people talking a lot about sort of angst and it's, it's not like that with me. When I finished it, I normally think this is great. I, I can't believe this. this you know, I, and then maybe in time, I'll see mistakes. And I would see my own work in the chapel at Thomas right. oh, Should have done that differently or something like that. But, um, but generally, 
I have that feeling that that it's that it's good, yeah. and I don't get that with to the same degree with other things that with writing I don't feel that. <laughs> so that's always a pain for me, and and, um, and I might be able to sort of do reasonably well at it, but I don't think I'm a natural writer. But the art I've always felt I could do it. I always felt confident I'd be able to, um, and it's and it is this sense that. Um, that it's a gift, I think, and the true set. And, and so, you always, I always have to be careful. It does sound like affected modesty, doesn't it? But it, it that really is what it feels like. You feel grateful to have yeah. that because it just seems um, easier than it ought to be. You wonder where those ideas have come from. It, you don't, yeah. uh, that's what I always think. I, how how did I think of that? You know exactly. No, I agree. It's a very much that sense. Of of like this is beyond some this yeah. is beyond what I thought that I was capable of doing. Um, um, yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. I'm going to come back to this point of gratitude. Actually, sorry to okay. interrupt there, but um, what I've been thinking recently in another context about the Christian practice of, for example, lexio divina, contemplative yes. prayer, and you have. As, a, as an example, Lexio, you read and then you meditate and then you pray and then you have contemplation, contemplatio. And the first three things, it's very, you know, it's pretty clear what those are. You can do something, you mm -hmm. think, you pray. The, 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 the action is coming from me. But then contemplation is a gift from God. Right. And so I've always wondered, I asked some Benedictine, but how often do you experience contemplation? What, 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 what are you getting? And, and they say, well, I'm not really very sure. But it's, it occurred to me that actually there is a natural emotional reaction or feeling when we um, experience God. We can't experience him directly, but what we feel is gratitude to God. Yeah. It's a very, and it's, I, I think... I'm sort of formulating this idea that that's the, it's a very natural emotion. This doesn't feel otherworldly. It's not, I don't feel like I'm seeing bright lights that, or no. the sight of God that's unmediated by the sense. I just feel gratitude, but to God, I feel as I want to give thanks to somebody yeah. for how I feel. And, yeah. and, and so maybe that is what indicates inspiration. And you can't feign it. You can't affect it. I mean, we could say we're feeling it, and we could feign that. But if you authentically feel grateful, um, and you want to thank God for it, and then the other thing also is that if it comes from God, by in the, it, you want to pass it on to others. You want others to yeah. see it. It's it's yeah. not showing off, although I, no doubt there's part of that in me as well. But I've had much less self consciousness about about that because I. I feel this is good and it's not from me. So it doesn't feel like I'm showing off in the same way. Exactly. I'm sure that's what it looks like to some people. <laughs> um, but, but aside from whether you and I are authentically inspired, <laughs> um, I think you are, and I can't speak for myself. But what I would say is that um, that's, that's what we're describing there, I, I think, is what you would expect if it were inspired. That right. you, if, if you feel... Um, through the process, there's all these hardships in the process itself. It's not plain sailing by any stretch. Um, but at the end of it, you think, this is, I, I think this is good. And, and furthermore, 
I want to thank God for it, and I want to give it to others. In other words, it's uh, thanksgiving and charity are the responses to a gift from God. Um, And if that isn't there, it probably isn't. (laughs) Does that make sense? Does that resonate with what you're... It it does. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Very much so, yeah. Um, The same sense, and also even in in, uh, conducting music as well, a similar experience there too. Right. Um, Whether or not it's my own compositions, it's that sense of having received something that is beyond myself. Yeah. And uh, and that that brings joy and gratitude and um, a, a, a peace, a deep peace, and and uh, and that. Is, uh, so there, yeah, it's it, it's a gift. It's got to be a gift. Yeah, and and just if anybody's listening to this thing, oh, you know, it's a, you know these two sort of bohemian arts <laughs> prattling, on, you know, like their inspirations. Everybody. Um, ex, you know, this this um, experience of the result of contemplation is available to everybody. Right. God wants to be with us, and um, right. we each have our charisms. And just being the, the life of a Christian um, offers us a chance to to have this gratitude. And I think it's no accident that the highest expression of giving thanks to God is the Eucharist, Thanksgiving. Yes. This is the natural response. When when God comes into our lives, that's what happens. You want to thank him. And, mm-hmm. and that is the Christian life. It's there for everybody. We all have an area in our lives where that, that can be, I believe. Yes, yes. And there's one thing I want to add to this whole thing yep. uh, as far as being a composer, and that is that it's true that there needs to be a certain detachment at the same time. And I think this yep. is for anybody who's seriously living this, you know, the interior life or that, that you can see how this is so important. So it's not to say that I'm denigrating my, my own work at all, but it's saying that I try, I mean, I, my job is to do my best and my job is to do is to be diligent and prayerful and faithful and so forth and so on. And I do that, but at the end of the day, I don't, I, I give it back to God, so to speak. And if somebody, and if people are touched by it, I'm, I'm, and if they're, if they are drawn into the, the mystery of the liturgy, I'm, I'm greatly edified. But if somebody, if somebody has problems with my music, well, that's okay. I, it's not, it's in a way it's not mine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a gift yeah. that I share. And, um, so I think, but I think that's important for all of us composers also to have that, that aspect of detachment. So. It's, it's interesting because uh, I, I wonder how I appear about it. So it's very difficult to describe your own yeah. psychological response to these things. But I think you're right that I, I can be very sensitive and touchy about things that I do and criticism. But for some reason in this, I... I I, don't, I really don't mind that much whether they like it or not. I feel that it's it, you know it's come to me. Yeah. I know whether I like it and whether I think yeah. it's worth giving to somebody, and that's that's the main thing. So I, I'm not saying I'm utterly disinterested in people's opinion. I love being praised for anything, like anybody else. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but there is it, I, again. I think this is a, a something that I've noticed about certain aspects of my life that even that I am less touchy and sensitive in some right. way. 
Right. Um, when I feel I've hit that point of, of gratitude, you know, and it, I say, yeah. well, I know this is good. I, yeah. I, whatever you say, I, I, I know this is, because it's not me. I, I don't feel there's the right. in me. So, yeah, that's right. Um, and, and you've been edified, you might say, by doing this. You've received a gift yes. internally as well. So whatever yeah. somebody else says, you know, I mean, it's, yes. at least that's, I think, a sense for myself, too. I, I, I somehow know that I myself have, have received a certain grace through doing mm-hmm. this. So, um, and yeah, so and the, <laughs> the, the, the point I have is that um, I talk to people a lot who are trying to work out what their calling is and what their vocation is. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of things come to mind. One, somebody once asked me, does painting feel like prayer? And I said, no, prayer feels like prayer and painting feels <laughs> like painting. And yeah. uh, they're different things. It feels satisfying. And right. even though I've likened this to uh, the spiritual, yeah. it, it's a different thing. It's not a prayer. It, it's I may be growing in virtue through doing it, but it's not prayer. It, it's it, it's not a, it's not it doesn't fit. It's not about how I feel during the process. Maybe at the end, right. I have that sense of gratitude. But mm-hmm. during the process, it can be a grind. It can be a pain. It can be hard work. Sure. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, and again, I'm assuming that you'd agree with with that. I, I, yes, I do. I mean, I would say that my sense is that yeah. it needs to be undergirded by prayer, so it's being sort of you might say permeated by prayer. Yes. Not to actually compose music is it's there's it's work. It's yes. it's the work, and um, and the work is oriented to help other people to enter into the mystery of the liturgy, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's oriented towards prayer in a way, but it's it's very uh, very much yeah. uh, work. Yes, it is work, which is something di- distinct. Yeah. Um, right. Um, any other points? It's you know we could stop there if you like. Would anything yeah, I mean, it's say? there is a certain aspect of mystery, I would say, to all of this. So it's not as if someone can just say, "Okay, all I need to do is these eight points now." Here I go, and and you know that anybody can do it, kind of thing. It's there's this. It I think there needs to be a certain sense of calling to do it, and a certain and there needs to be that certain humility that realizes also the need for uh, formation. Okay. Uh, so so um, it's and and. It, it won't, yeah, that's that's basically it. There's a certain aspect of mystery, but these are elements that I observe, observed in my own work that uh, are essential. Mm. Well, that's, that's terrific. Before we close, I just want to come back to, we were chatting before we started recording. Tell mm-hmm. me about your, your latest uh, recording project. You have a lot of music which you've composed and... Um, you were just telling me about, given the current situation, where you know we're just swaying between Zoom and Netflix. We're either making videos or watching somebody else's. <laughs> That's the life we lead at the moment, right? Um, for many of us. So, how? Tell me about your recording project and how you've adapted yes. to the current situation. How it's opened up something exciting. I think it's amazing because we had started out. We had planned actually for June twelfth. 
a recording session with with our core corral, which is when we bring everyone together, it's over 130 people. It, you know, it's it's marvelous. We and we have people from New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts, all over the place coming together, and we planned this uh, recording session, but became clear at a certain point that we couldn't do that. You know, we would have to have our face masks on. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, just wondering, what can we do? Should we, you know, and I and I saw some amazing virtual recordings uh, that were that had been done, and I said, how is that possible to do that? Mm. So that got me thinking, and then I realized, you know, we need practice tracks. We need we, because there's all sort there are all sorts of people uh, or situations where that would be such a great tool uh, for them to be able to learn their parts, wh however good they are at, at sight reading. These practice tracks, if we could record that, then. Uh, this would be a tremendous tool for people to learn the music that I've written and mm -hmm. some other music as well. So um, we decided to do that. And so we're, we're actually, we have at least four or five uh, CDs worth of music that we're recording now uh, this spring and summer uh, of music that I've, mostly music that I've composed. And we have a group of four singers so I start out, I, I record everything uh, on a bass track, so to speak, and then we send that to our singers, and then they sing their parts, <laughs> put it together, and we have this amazing practice uh, video and audio that we can adjust. So uh, the, we have one that is for the sopranos, and we bring out the soprano part. We have another one set for the altos and so forth and so on. So that it's, it turns out to a lot of tracks, actually, because we have all the different parts uh, for all the different pieces. And um, it's but it's it's very exciting because now the person in a little parish out in the middle of nowhere who is who maybe they don't read music too well. They can take these tracks and they can listen to them and they can learn uh, whether it be the Mass of St. Philip Neri or. Another mass I've done, the Mass of St. Monica, or uh, Misa Padova, and then also have Compline that we're going to share with everyone. That eventually they can do on all seven nights of the week, um, and uh, many other settings that I've done as well. And so that's what we're doing. Nice. That is terrific because the the I just think I always um, I think of my own musical ability. I, I I'm you know, I'm good enough for a parish choir. I, would, I mean, you tell me I'm wrong, but I, I'm 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 slow. I can't sight read. I'm plonking things out with one finger on the piano, but I quite I can learn if I'm hearing it and I'm right. looking at the score, and then the score becomes a reminder for what I've got in my musical memory. If you see what I mean, um, and so this would be perfect for me. And I imagine there's a lot more people at my sort of level of ability <laughs> that there are those who can just sight read. Uh, and so it, I just think this is very exciting. And furthermore, there's lots of people who would love to learn your stuff. Um, I don't know, did I tell you that we sing, we have a meal here. I live in this convent building. We're a sort of community. 
we sing you're our father every sunday as part of the prayers as, as you know for grace before the meal and what's interesting is that at various stages we've had young children who are living with the family we have families living in this community in the convent um and the young children sing along very quickly to the Our Father because they're oh. just hearing it. Yeah. And they just immediately join in. Mm. Uh, and I remember uh, what happened one time was that the, these three children, I would say seven, five, and three, mm -hmm. uh, their mother sent them in and said, we're going to do something for you. And so I said, <laughs> okay, what's happening? And they just sang the melody of the Our Father perfectly. Wow. And they had just been listening to the, the, the grown-ups singing at the meal. We hadn't made any attempt to teach them. Yeah. And they just re remembered it and sang it, Wow. Um, which is just beautiful. And then there's another family that's come in, and their children are the same. Uh, so the, there's a, a four-year-old and a three-year-old, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Both of them will sing along. Um, our Father who art in heaven, Halloween thy name, she said. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was Halloween time. But it's amazing, the powers of imitation. And so what, what this is creating, it's harnessing that power of the oral tradition. I imagine that children of that age, they're able to copy and retain sounds quicker than I am, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but it's still a strong instinct, I think, in all of us. Um, yeah. So very, very exciting. I, I hope you'll come and we can play some of that in another podcast when you're able to uh, present it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Paul, once again, um, great to, uh, to see you and to hear you. Just once, if you have any closing thoughts. Oh, there's <laughs> Marion who sings the Our Father. Hi, Marion. I'm just recording something here. This is my friend Caleb's daughter. Bye. I'll see you in a bit. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, do, do you have, if you have any closing thoughts, uh, do so. Uh, but other than that, just tell us once again where we can get hold of you, where we can find your music, the, the website. Sure. Yeah. Our websites uh, right now that where you can listen to my music or find the scores for my for my music would be pauljernberg.com and there's lots of information there lots of uh, lots of resources uh, we also have the website magnificatinstitute.org that's more of a resource for parishes uh, that would like uh, like help with their with their programs okay uh, and uh, yeah Okay. You can also find my blog at pauljernberg.com. Okay, your blog. Yes, I've been reading one. Of, in fact, it was one of those articles that sparked off this latest series of yes. podcasts, wasn't it? Right. Um, and you are hoping to compile your blog writings into a book as well at some that's, point. That's right. So that's we'll right. look out for that when it comes. I'm, I don't know. How, are you close or do you think it's someone no. else? <laughs> I've just finished the prologue which is 15 chapters. So I, I think I'm turning the prologue into part one, which okay. would be foundations. And okay. uh, the next section, which I'm very excited about starting, will be all about repertoire. In fact, going through each part of the Mass and looking at the music for each sung part of the Mass. And, wow. uh, yeah. 
Okay, well, terrific. Um, and so until the next time, Paul Jumbo, thank you very much indeed. Great conversation. You're welcome, David. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give us a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others to find it too. Also, if you're interested in delving more deeply into the material that we discuss, you can do a course at the Pontifex University website. That's pontifex.university.